I'm Joe Kane. I'm Dan Kane. I'm Sal Kanka. Welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. Don't forget to check us out at hecklercane.com. To the bumper. In the news. This week in the world of comics, Dolph Lundgren stars as Big Bad in Russian flashback sequences in the next season of Arrow. This is the fifth season and should mark the end of Oliver's flashbacks from his missing time in the series. We also see a return of Gorilla Grodd in the new season of Flash. It has been confirmed that there will be a two-part episode featuring Gorilla City. They have also confirmed a two-part crossover episode with Supergirl and The Flash. More on the comic book TV series front, Gotham has cast Benedict Samuel as the Mad Hatter. He will appear in the third episode of season three and Samuel will be a season regular. On the topic of casting, IGN reports that Legends of Tomorrow has cast Sarah Gray as Stargirl. Gray is also set to appear in the upcoming Power Rangers movie. Well, Sal, I think you got your wish. It looks like there won't be any sequels for the new Ghostbuster reboot. The unfortunate box office numbers left the series $75 million in the hole. That's the news. Suicide Squad in review. So last week we went uh, out and we saw the Suicide Squad movie uh, that we were all excited about coming out for a while. Um, and we had heard a lot of bad things about it. Well, we like to make our own impressions yeah. on, on on movies. There's a lot of critics out there that bash things. So so we didn't want to just go into the movie with any sort of expectations from someone's review of it. Right. And we saw it opening night. So Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, there's two camps in the world, right? You have your comic book fans, you have your movie fans, you have your DC fans, you have your Marvel fans. You guys are obviously way more into comic books than I am. I did not read comics growing up. Uh, you know, I was fans of certain movies like Batman and Superman growing up and, and all that type of stuff. But Suicide Squad, I didn't know a lot about going into it other than leading up to, you know, the promos and everything else that I heard and saw Comic-Con with like Conan O'Brien and other stuff like that. Right. Um, well, you know what? Being a comic book fan, this is this was a movie to look forward to. Uh, this was a movie where you were getting to see a bunch of these characters on screen in live action form for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've never seen Harley Quinn for the on on camera before. You've never seen Deadshot. You've never seen uh, Captain Boomerang. You've never seen um, most of those characters you haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking at this and going, okay, well, we have a new movie that's coming out. It's all of these things. There's high expectations for it. Mm-hmm. I was looking forward to seeing Harley. Okay. Harley Quinn. And what do you think? So did Margot Robbie deliver? She did. I think she did very well. I enjoyed uh, the parts that she was in. I thought she played the part very well, actually. She yeah. was, she was uh, th- my favorite role in the movie. Yeah, I actually did. Uh, silly me. I, I Sometimes, you know, actors, you see them on screen and you forget, like, making the correlation. I mean, I actually loved her in Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's how I n- knew her first. And yeah. I, I the whole time, you know, I, I couldn't figure out. I knew I had heard that damn accent somewhere before. And she was using pretty much the same Long Island accent from Wolf of Wall Street as Harley Quinn. Now, I thought she was still brilliant in the role. I thought she was the best thing, and that's just not a guy's perspective on seeing a great ass on screen. Well, <laughs> she was she was she was the best thing about that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. She was she, she was, was absolutely the the quintessential Harley Quinn. Uh, you know, she got a lot of the quips in that were well done, and um, you know, sometimes it's hard to translate a comic. Or a um, 
or a, a cartoon into reality and being able to deliver certain lines like the pudding lines and, and some of the other lines mm-hmm. that she did are difficult to do as an actor. And let's put it this way. I mean, that character in itself had to be played by somebody who's a little off their nut. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, it was it, it was not a straightforward character. I mean, if you looked at, like, Deadshot, you know, Will Smith was Will Smith, and I think that was part of the problem. Yeah. He, he didn't really make a character out of it. I've seen Will Smith deliver those lines in, in other yeah, movies. In know, other movies. You know. I, I, I still, I enjoyed them, but it was just Will Smith. You know what I it mean? Was, it was Will Smith. It was the same character he played it, when he first started out on the big screen in Independence Day so many years ago. It was, Han- it was Hancock again. It was Hancock again. <laughs> uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't that thrilled. I mean, the writing for him, I, I, and, you know, I don't know if his lines were improv and that was Will Be and Will, or, you know, did the writers write some of those one-liners from they were They were cheesy. I mean, not like comic book good cheesy. They were just shit cheese. <laughs> well, l- let me tell you something. Looking at these, looking at these characters, there was a whole different uh, th- thing coming out of these. These were, again, adaptations of something that was on either a cartoon or a piece of paper and trying to bring these characters to life. Um, so what I let's go let's kind of do a quick rundown. We got the we got the top two characters there, right. Deadshot well, and um, Harley Quinn. Yeah. What do we think of <laughs> I'm going to go there. You want to go Jared, there? Jared Leto's performance as the Joker. This this seems to be the big the big crops. Jared Leto was the biggest letdown of the movie. Uh, for me, uh, you know, I'll, he was one of the main reasons I think so many people and the critics uh, trampled the movie. I mean, I think the Joker being the most iconic character, yeah. right, probably in the movie because Joker's been portrayed on screen before. I mean, you had Jack Nicholson, you had Heath Ledger. Five or ten minutes into the movie, I had never missed Heath Ledger so much in my entire life. You know, <laughs> thank yeah. you guys, though, for reminding me after the film, like, what a great job Jack Nicholson did at it. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, Jared uh, just didn't, he didn't deliver for me. I know he didn't deliver for a lot of people. I mean, what do you, what do you guys think? Uh, no, not really. He didn't deliver. <laughs> but, I mean, you had pointed out uh, before when we were talking that he wasn't in enough of the movie yeah. to really get a full feel, which is okay. But I just I didn't really enjoy. The- and you know what a big thing for me is? Getting the laugh right. And I didn't like his laugh, I guess. And that's a big part of being the Joker is getting that laugh right. You know what I mean? Okay, well, let me ask you something. Did we see enough of him to actually put a good judgment out there of how he portrayed the character? Probably not. I mean, he he had his whole... He had a couple of big moments in the movie. He did, absolutely, but uh, I don't think anything was as crucial as what would be like a solo Batman movie where he would be the villain. No, no. It was clearly, you know, it was a subplot between the love story of Harley Quinn and the Joker that, that ran through the movie. Right. Harley Quinn's part was way bigger, obviously. I think I think the rumor, or it may have been confirmed if we read some of the news stories, but a lot of Jared Leto's uh, scenes ended up on the cutting room floor. There yeah. was there was more footage in it. I'm I'm curious to see like when the DVD comes out if they're going to put out those type of things onto the DVD and right. say, hey, well here's here's what you missed. Yep. Well, yeah. Let's go. You know what? I, I one more thing is that I, I get the Joker's supposed supposed to care about Harley, but I almost felt like he cared too much. Like, Joker is not supposed to feel that much. Joker is a psychopath, a psychopathic, disjunct person who 
who has an infatuation with a particular person, but that doesn't mean that he cares about her. I felt like Jared Leto's version of it cared about her, mm-hmm. and it wasn't the infatuation with her as opposed to. Yeah, it was like he would have put everything. Like he would have put everything on the line for her. And to me, Joker is. Uh, I like it, but it's you know. And his interpretation. Whatever. I mean, they made him. The Joker was always a gangster. Sure. But in this film, they took it to a common thug. Uh, you know, he. It, it seemed like the Joker was playing. Their interpretation of it was a common gangster. And you know, it's funny because in today today I read uh, the band Die Antwoord uh, is actually <laughs> causing some common controversy, saying that they stole uh, Die Antwoord's uh, personality or. Look, likeness, image. like likeness, likeness yeah. for the movie to create ja- um, uh, the Joker and Harley Quinn, which is pretty ridiculous, no matter how you look at it. But I mean, if you don't know who Diane Antwoord is, go check them out on YouTube. They also did a movie. They're from they're from South Africa. Uh, they're a South African rap group who actually did a movie called Chappie, and it's perfect for uh, Saturday at rainy afternoon if you got <laughs> if you got some time to kill. So, what other characters were do we think uh, had some validity? If, Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller was played by Viola Davis. Um, she was definitely um, a strong, strong character. Yeah. Um, she showed she showed us a, a side of Amanda Waller that we've never seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Viola Davis is a great actress. Yes, she absolutely. Is. She absolutely is, and I enjoyed her role. Um, as far as the Suicide Squad, that after Harley, the person I probably enjoyed the next after that was Diablo. I actually I enjoyed his mm-hmm. him in the movie. Diablo he, was probably the, had the biggest arc in the whole story. <laughs> yeah, he he was he was the culmination of the movie, right? For so to speak. So he he delivered. I, I liked him. I didn't. Who was the actor that played Diablo? Diablo was played by Jay Hernandez. Okay, has um, he been in anything previously? What's Jay his? Hernandez is Hostel. Was in Hostel. <laughs> oh, cool. Um. Bad Moms, which is coming out, I think, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, a couple other ones. Trooper, Ghost Girls, Nashville. He was on. That's probably where I would recognize. I him know from. him from Hostel. He played one of the kids. Yeah. I, I, as go. soon as they said that, I'm thinking. I mean, it's hard because his face is all tattooed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, as Diablo, and uh, so you can't really get a good, 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 good look at his face. But uh, he he did a great job. He I think he, I think he did a great, did a great yeah. job as Diablo. His character had some death. He was kind of uh, one of the bad guys that was conflicted with being good or bad or keeping his powers. Uh, at bay because he didn't want to do bad anymore. I mean, basically, right? I mean, we can give away spoilers. I mean, he you find out, you know, he killed his whole family and uh, right. because of his, his powers. So um, I thought it was a great character. Yeah. He, had, he had a great story arc. That was that was just yep. period. He, was, he had a great story arc. Um, and it was surprising in the end what happened and he turns mm-hmm. into one of these celestial beings that were on the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, we're giving out spoilers, so there's no two ways about it. We're so any more characters pop out for you guys? There were some that were pointless, if that counts as popping. I mean, I think Boomerang was pretty useless. Number one useless character in the entire film. Yeah. Um, he, There was no reason for him to be there. If he was not in the film, 
there would have been no difference to the film, and it would have been one less thing to try to keep track of. Right. I, th- I thought Dan loved his boomerang drone so much. Uh, I, I, yeah, well, you know, that was his one point, but I, I guess it wasn't totally necessary when he threw the boomerang and yeah. they could see what was going on with Enchantress at the end. And Okay, well, let me ask you something. Right before that scene, they're in the bar, and, and um, Boomerang goes, I'm out of here, I'm done, and he leaves. Right. And then all of a sudden, they're like, okay, yeah, they, they get the whole band back together, and they come out on the street, and Boomerang's with them again. Yeah, I know. He should have been, he should have been cut down like Slipknot was. Yeah, well, <laughs> but we should, he should have activated. But he served more of a purpose, Slipknot, yeah. <laughs> because he was, the, he was the guy that needed to explode to prove that the, they were real about the bomb in their neck. Exactly, yeah. So he actually did serve a purpose. <laughs> Absolutely served a purpose, and dying the, early. And the only other useless character we haven't discussed was Katana, because I hated the way she was introed into the movie, mm. to be honest. I, 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 would, I would have liked to have seen more of her, more yeah. of her background. I think she could have been a much more interesting story uh, than what we saw yes. of her. They're banking on using her more in probably the next... Ser- fran- next series yep. in the franchise. Yeah, but, but if you keep going, oh, we'll wait to the next one for this one, and then you don't put your goods forward, you get a crappy movie. It's tough when Will Smith has to get a lot of screen time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, another big character that we didn't talk about so far um, was Enchantress. And yeah. Captain Flag. Oh, and Captain Flag. Um, hello. <laughs> uh, you know what? He was great. He was great. Yeah, I, he I did, actually got to say, well. I was very pleased with his performance. I was very pleased with the, the, the way uh, he was portrayed. Um, he was a highlight of the movie. And you forgot about and him. And I forgot about he him. Was. There you go. I forgot about him. Well, Who? Captain Flagg was in love with uh, the the Enchantress. Yes. Um, and basically her part in this was the villain. So I, I don't think we've spoiled anything at this point. No. Everybody kind of knows that yeah. she turned out to be the bad guy. Um, what did we think about Enchantress now? It was fine. I can't get out of my head the end. Okay. What, it, what it looked like when she's standing up. And the, uh, the the lights are going, and they walk up, and what was it? If, if I may, because I, I I said this to them as they walk as we walked out of the theater, um, it was Zool, <laughs> Zool from I Ghostbusters. <laughs> it was the whole scene from Zool. She was up uh, from Zool from Ghostbusters. She was up on the platform with the lights glowing behind her and her hair blowing in the wind, and and they were standing there looking at him and going. Oh, it's, <laughs> all I could say I the was, entire I, scene was Zool. Zool. I was waiting for the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man exactly. to come up behind them. I, I am was, the gatekeeper. You're the key master. <laughs> I am the key master. I was going to say the only thing missing from that scene was the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. You because, go. you know, maybe they should collab. Maybe Suicide Squad and Ghostbusters should get together, make a little sequel, and maybe it'll help both their budgets uh, out. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> talking about the storyline oh boy it was a little thin to me we've seen this a hundred times we've seen um you know you have a deserted city and you have a team of riffraff that they put together and they have to get from point a to point b in the deserted city to stop whatever the big bad is Mm -hmm. that's kind of the entire plot line of this movie Mm -hmm. uh to me that's not well well written this this it was difficult i mean you had I don't know how many characters are in the Suicide Squad. Eight? Is it eight or ten? Yeah, I don't know. Somebody count on their fingers. But it, it's like you got you got all these characters, right? So you had to have all these. I'll use Wayne's line: establishing shots to intro all these characters for an audience like myself that doesn't read the comics, right? So you had the main characters got all of this upfront 
introduction backstory and BS, right? So that cut up and used a lot of the movie just yeah. to int- just to intro and introduce sure. each character took yeah. up big chunks of the movie, and and no way around it. But I think you know the way they did it, they did it in such silos. Um, and then there were certain characters like Katana who I mentioned. You know, she wasn't included in part of that, and some characters were just slipped in and you know so right. so it's just you had a very uh, a mismatch of how some characters were introduced and it showed throughout the rest of the story too because they skipped over i think a lot of things they they took for granted that the audience would believe in a lot of things well let's just say even if you are a comic book fan you don't necessarily know every one of these characters right mm-hmm. you may not know specifically suicide squad in the comic books you may know, okay, Harley Quinn and the Joker, and uh, I think most people these days know the, them. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, I come to see it for this, and then w- w- where do these other characters come from? Right. But I felt like in the beginning when they were listing it, I felt like it was a video game. Yes. Like when very... they listed the category. There was, a, I forget what it was, there was a Batman video game where you went and clicked on the character, and it was everything listed exactly the way that... Yeah. that <laughs> That, I know that Viola Davis was explaining the characters like Alias or whatever it was. It seemed a I little think it bit. Was, I think it was purposeful. I mean, I think they tried to pull from that a little, probably so they already had their liners set up for the video game that they're going to try to make from there, this movie. There you go. So um, they didn't even I, have to re-record it. <laughs> I know. I think it was. Pur- I think it was purposeful that it was like video game esque. Yeah. Whether you like that or not, you know. All right. Well, let me let me tell you something. Uh, 2014. I don't think either of you have seen this. Uh, there was a cartoon out there called Batman Assault on Arkham, mm-hmm. and basically the idea was it was the Suicide Squad. It was the first real um, t- kind of um, cartoon movie that was put together about the Suicide Squad. The storyline in there was basically that Harley Quinn, you know, they had they assembled the team. Amanda Waller assembled the team. Uh, she blew off somebody's head, just you know, a lot of the same attributes that we had on here. Um, and then a Deadshot and Harley Quinn actually fall in love, and then you have the conflict is that the Joker is coming back now, and the Joker is involved with this. And the storyline was a thousand times better than the big blockbuster movie we just saw. Right. So you're saying they should have used that storyline? Absolutely, <laughs> used the storyline from uh, Attack on uh, Assault on Arkham. Hmm. And if you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's on. Uh, I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, uh, we'll leave a link. We'll, we'll leave, leave a, a link, link on the site. Um, and you know, uh, Batman Assault on Arkham 2014 came out and hit the storyline right on the head and then we do it how many years later and they miss it yeah yeah well a lot easier with a comic or an animated series than uh an animated feature than a than a a full screen feature right you're gonna you're gonna get judged on the on the reality of the characters and how they function but you know what the story still has to be there intact Mm -hmm. yep we didn't have a story in this there was no story yeah, I mean, I, it, it was so thin. I mean, you had the Enchantress and her brother who create the big bad because basically the brother is trying to save the sister and they ha- his sister, the Enchantress, because they have her heart. Yeah. Right? So they're controlling her power because they have her heart. And the brother comes to try to rescue her, uh, you know. Well, you want to get really into comic books with this? The Enchantress back in comic books, the Enchantress was possessed by another entity. And then another entity was the brother, had the brother. And then that was why that happened. But they just said it was the Enchantress's brother. Mm-hmm. Like, the Enchantress played a, a, a bigger role in the Suicide Squad as opposed to specifically just going, okay, she's here to be the big bad. Gotcha. 
So, you know, they're changing things and they're doing it. I, I get it. And I get that they use that character. They should have watched this other movie first. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe somebody did and they just didn't care. Yeah, yeah, well. But overall, I was disappointed. I looked forward to this movie. Um and it just didn't do it for me. I, I think I'd have to say, as far as the summer blockbusters go, that Marvel won the summer. I mean, oh, yeah. Civil War by far, but I also would rank the X Men movie higher than Suicide Squad or Batman vs Superman. So. Yeah, I mean, if you just go through, if you go to Google and type in Suicide Squad, the amount of disparaging news is terrible, right? Post Suicide Squad, the characters are its greatest strength and weakness. Uh, how Warner Brothers can recover from suicide and sway- save the DC Cinematic Universe, meaning it's in, you know, dire straits. Hollywood has ruined method acting, and it's a direct correlation to Jared Leto's interpretation of the Joker. You got the stylist fakery of Suicide Squad, and and last but not least, you got Suicide Squad shows why Marvel's movie universe works and DC's does not. Oh, there and goes your that, comment. <laughs> and that's harsh. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you pit, you know, DC versus Marvel, you got a lot of people on the Marvel side who are jumping for joy. <laughs> yeah, just a lot of things went wrong with this film. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. Um, I think we're all in the same boat um, ab- about the the outcome on that. Yeah, I don't th- none of us really had, none of us walked out of there feeling like, oh my God, it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Nobody. Well, let me ask you, you know. is, it, is it the high expectations that we had going in? Because, I mean, we all heard about the getting bashed by critics and everything before the movie came out. Yeah, on last week's show, we talked about the Rotten Tomatoes issue where yeah. the, the diehard fans of Suicide Squad were crying that, you know, yeah. the uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics got it wrong. That this is a fan movie, it's still fun, you don't know what you guys are talking about. I, I mean, we're fans. I mean, we happen to be filmmakers yeah. at the same time, but we're, we're fans, and it was disappointing. Yeah, I still went in, I always try to go in and make form my own opinion and not listen to it. So I still went in with high expectation. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there's other elements as filmmakers. I think we, we pick apart things like the soundtrack, the cinematography, uh, you know, and some other elements. So... You know, let, me, let me get right into the soundtrack, if you if I could jump on you on your uh, by all means, speech there. By all means, the soundtrack so. we had hit after hit after hit of like poppy songs right in the beginning, and it was like to me it was every shot was a different song. Yeah, and it was so distracting. It was that was the problem for me. It felt like every two minutes there was a new song. Yeah, it so was just ha- too much song after song. It well, wasn't yeah. that the songs were a problem, but it was just one after the other after the other for a while in the beginning and it was just like what and i think you said it best the the songs because they were so poppy popular uh they took you out of the movie for a minute so because you were just like starting to hum along to the song i mean you had m&ms without me you had uh i know there was rolling stones in there there was jack white uh was that seven nation army came in there uh yeah which is at every sporting event ever now and it's but they, but it's not, not on the soundtrack, though. No, but the, it wasn't even that the songs were bad, and not, I'm, not, I'm not bashing the songs. It was just that they were one after the other after the other. Every 30 seconds, the next scene had a new song. It was like, what? Every, well, it, was, it, Bo- was Bohemian Rhapsody in there? I'm looking at yes, the soundtrack. Yes, it was. Yes. When, when Harley's uh, hanging in the cage. Oh, yeah. 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 Good scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it's funny how you can not like a movie so much, but like you think back, there were definitely some good, you know, there's definitely watchable scenes in there. It's just, it didn't come together as a whole. All right. right. Well, right. we wanted to talk a little bit about the cinematography. Yep. 
some really beautiful shots in there. Thinking about the Harley Quinn scene there um, mm-hmm. with her hanging in the cage, the lights that were coming through, the, 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 the visuals that they were capturing with that. Um, uh, Zack Snyder, who did the, uh, the Batman vs. Superman, uh, was also a producer on this. And I feel like there was a lot of beautiful moments with nothing in between. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like there were a lot of, it, to me, it was like a lot of beautiful comic, um, uh, what are those called? The the windows that the comic books are in. Why am I forgetting? Visuals, do you want Visuals. to say? Okay. Um, uh, t- pulled right out of the comics. Pulled right out of the comics. Co- panels. The comic panels. Mm-hmm. And it was like they took shot after shot after shot was comic panels. And that's, that's what Zack Snyder did with... Um, uh, with Batman vs Superman, you saw those comic panels that came out, and I feel like they tried to do it, and they got some really beautiful moments, but the rest of the movie was like really dark and drab, like you couldn't see anything. Yeah, yeah. The the rest of the movie, I mean, I, I think a lot of uh, superhero movies in the past, I mean, like Batman in particular, has been slammed for being too dark in the past. Yeah, cinematography, sure. a lot of them, they they try to go with that dark element, and it really makes the the film almost unwatchable in some regards. I mean, I didn't find that this film that dark because I, I remember some of the old Batmans where I was like, "Wow, dark!" Like, yeah, like yeah. you couldn't even see what was going on. This this wasn't as dark as that, but this definitely borderline was borderline. Well, that's it for the podcast today. Um, if you agree with us or disagree with us, hit us up on Twitter at Heckler Kane Inc. Um, if you would like to check out the podcast or the rest of the podcast, it's at hecklerkane.com. Thank you.